I'm Jeff Eichler. And I'm Kirsten Rickert, and we are the hosts of the Getting Unstuck podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Helen Lee Buig, who is the founder of the Reboot Foundation, a columnist for Forbes and an expert on critical thinking. Helen is also a specialist in turning around businesses. Today we're focused on the article, The Benefits of Using Pencil and Paper in Math. New study shows that students writing down math problems increases high school math outcomes. It's from March of 2020. Lots to learn. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe. Enjoy. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Helen Lee Buig is one of the most successful women in business transformation. She has served as interim CEO, CFO, or COO for more than a dozen companies. She is also the founder of the Reboot Foundation, a columnist at Forbes, and working on a book on critical thinking. A former partner at McKinsey & Company, Buig has helped transform more than 25 firms. Over the course of a 20-year career, she has raised hundreds of millions of dollars in capital, renegotiated billions of dollars in debt, and brought dozens of companies into the black. Established by Helen Lee Buig, the Reboot Foundation is devoted to critical thinking. In a time of vast technological change, the foundation aims to promote richer, more reflective forms of thought in schools, homes, and businesses. Buig has lectured around the world on business turnaround. She sits on multiple boards, including those of companies in the retail, manufacturing, oil and gas, renewable energy, and automotive parts sectors. She graduated magna cum laude from Princeton University and earned an MBA from the Harvard Business School. Now let's talk a little bit about the Reboot Foundation. The the Reboot Foundation is devoted to elevating critical thinking. In a time of vast technological change, the foundation aims to promote richer, more reflective forms of thought in schools, homes, and businesses. Practically speaking, the foundation funds efforts to better integrate critical thinking in the daily lives of people around the world. It conducts surveys and opinion polls, leads its own research, and supports the work of independent scholars. The foundation also develops practical tools for parents, teachers, employers, and others interested in cultivating a capacity for critical thinking. The Reboot Foundation is not a traditional foundation. They find potential partners through their own focused research, and they do not accept unsolicited grants. Based in Paris, the foundation is entirely supported by the generosity of Bruno and Helen Lee Buig, and all of the resources developed by the foundation are provided without charge. Helen, thank you so much for being here today. Say hi to everyone. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Well, before we talk about the benefits of using pencil and paper in math, because that's something we're going to talk about today, let's talk a little bit about the focus that you have on critical thinking. In an article that you wrote for Forbes in 2018, titled How Critical Thinking Improves Life Outcomes, you said critical thinking has become a crucial life skill and that we need to do more as a society to make sure that all students have the reasoning skills that they need to succeed in the modern world. Could you share what you mean by critical thinking and why it is a crucial life skill? Sure. You know, Steve, the, the, the term critical thinking is used by a lot of people, educators, politicians, journalists, and the general public. But when it comes down to saying exactly what critical thinking is, um, there's a whole bunch of vagueness and confusion around. And it's 
it's really hard to think about what this is without a good definition. I think the best way to define critical thinking, I'm gonna base it a bit on cognitive scientist Daniel Willingham's uh, view, which is that the activities of critical thinking should be divided into three areas, reasoning, making judgments, and problem solving. So building on his work, I'd argue that critical thinking is reasoning, making judgments, and solving problems in a reflective and objective manner. And to put it even more briefly, critical thinking is just thinking well. Um, and the question around why it's an important life skill is because we engage in each of these things every day. People often jump to the first conclusion, whatever the evidence. Even worse, people will simply choose the evidence that supports their prior beliefs, especially in this digital age. But one recent study by Heather Butler shows that people with greater critical thinking skills have fewer negative life events than people who have a high degree of smart. And the reasoning skills paid off in all sorts of ways. In the study, for instance, people with critical thinking skills were far less likely to have large amounts of credit card debt than those who did not. Very, very cool and interesting. It's just, uh, it's just, and I got to go back to something you said earlier because there is a lot of vagueness around it. And that's why I'm glad we're able to kind of get some specifics in and around it so that the, uh, the listeners know exactly what we're talking about. So I, I love that. Uh, I've heard you say that critical thinking can be taught, Helen. Is, is there some thought that it's innate versus learned? And also, could you talk about what needs to take place to teach critical thinking? Sure. There's a lot of evidence that critical thinking can indeed be learned. Um, you know, think of critical thinking um, a bit like a skill like speaking French or playing the violin. It, it just takes a lot of practice. Um, and adults can and do learn to develop their critical thinking, although starting early and with lots of practice helps us progressively develop and improve um, these skill sets. And one of the frustrating things that I find is some scientists that kind of refer to critical thinking as being that it's when you mention the word innate that we're born with it. I mean, it's, it's definitely a skill that we're born with, but if you make the reference that a lot of people say that we're actually born with critical thinking and with, and with age because of cynicism and, um, you know, we, we lose it, I think we have to be careful to categorize it as such as well, because if you believe that you're innately born with critical thinking and then you lose it over time because of the way life takes um, a play on us, it assumes that it's not something that you develop and that you need to practice. So fundamentally, um, I, do, I do believe we need to emphasize the fact that it's something that you need to constantly be conscientious that you need to practice and develop. But there's, you know, just to give you a precise example, there are a lot of schools that are leading the way towards um, critical thinking education. There's a school called Two Rivers Public Charter School in Washington, DC, for example, where the educators aim to empower students with improved critical thinking skills, specifically by engaging students in a lot of project-based learning. Uh, and our, the students are taught explicitly how to, one, identify the key questions in a problem, two, develop possible paths to a solution, and three, follow through with the solution. Um, but again, you know, some of these schools that focus on critical thinking, unfortunately, tend to be outliers. Schools today are not providing instruction in the development of richer thinking skills. Because of the fact that too many institutions 
don't teach students necessarily how, how and when to use evidence or um, help students to learn to take opposing points of view or even think through issues that don't necessarily have clear right or wrong answers. I think the challenges in schools today, it's not a criticism of schools, but because in the past years, there's been so much um, emphasis on test-based focus that often schools forget to teach the critical skills necessary to think um, rather than just memorize facts. I think that's so powerful because we, we, you know, the, the idea that, uh, you know, just the idea of thinking and what it requires and how to go about uh, uh, working through a problem or idea or concept or situation or whatever you want to, to name it is uh, it, it's such a big deal. Why do you, why do you think, I mean, what's, what's part of that struggle in teaching, you know, the, um, or why do you think there is that lack of focus on critical thinking, not with just schools, but also even parents? There's a lot of reasons, um, social, political, economical, um, but, and also because critical thinking, the, even the terminology tends to have a bad reputation. It, it seems kind of stodgy to many people, like it's something stuck in the ivory tower. But um, specifically, let's talk about technology because it can have a limiting factor. It can be a limiting factor in robust thinking. Um, for instance, at, at the Reboot Foundation, we ran an analysis last year, you, applying data from the NAEP, the nation's report card in the US, and PISA, run by OECD in Europe. And to be put it bluntly, the results of the tech and student learning are at, at best mixed results. And there's actually evidence that even students who use technology the most in school actually do worse than those who use it moderately. Um, I think the results actually um, regarding tablet use and computer use in uh, classes was most alarming in the statistical study that was done around fourth grade students in the US. There was clearly a negative correlation with testing outcomes where fourth grade students who reported using computers in all or almost all of their classes scored 14 points lower on the reading comprehension exam than students who reported never using computer technology in, in classes. Um, just to give you an indication, that difference is the equivalent of one full year's worth of learning, which is, which is quite drastic. Definitely. But I, I got to ask, I mean, what, you know, it's because uh, this is, uh, you know, with all the emphasis on using technology, and it's not that this is an anti-technology comment, but at the same time, there does seem to be a little bit too much over, you know, like an overemphasis on that. I mean, would you agree? I mean, because it seems to say that at some point we need to be using some low-tech skills here. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, I think, um, again, what I don't want to say, as you mentioned, is to say that all technology is bad. <laughs> right. Um, and especially during this coronavirus period, you know, we're, we're all using technology and, um, yes. you know, students are Zooming in for classes using Microsoft Teams, um, just like adults, actually. The emphasis is, and we'll talk about this, um, especially in terms of um, pencil and, and writing as well, um, but pencil and paper. But um, I think the key message is, as long as we're cognizant and 
conscientious that technology is not the solution to everything and that we need to be careful about differentiating between applications like software applications that help um, specific projects or specific learning skills and not use as an overall general um, theme that just having hardware and computer usage in schools is beneficial. You know, the one example that I often cite is uh, my daughter goes to a French school and in the French education system for the equivalent of fourth grade, they need to have at least one hour of computer science per week. Well, the school actually, um, not, not this year, but last year, um, decided that that one hour was going to be spent where all children would open up a Microsoft Word document and they would just copy and type phrases from a book. Now, I'm not going to tell you that my daughter in third grade learned typing skills, but that was, quote, the one hour of computer usage that was mandated by the government. So, um, you know, how much better would it have been if the school could have used that one hour for even an art class rather than just, <laughs> typing, just typing phrases on Microsoft Word, right? So this is kind of an extreme example, but, you know, properly using technology is something that people need. Gotcha. I appreciate you sharing that. And it, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to connect a couple of different thoughts here. But before we do that, uh, because we're going to get into the benefits of using pencil and paper in math, before we do that, let's 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 shift a little bit to the Reboot Foundation. You know, on the webpage for the foundation, this is noted: the Reboot Foundation is devoted to elevating critical thinking in a time of vast technological change. The foundation aims to promote richer more reflective forms of thought in schools, homes, and businesses. Could you talk about the foundation, its purpose, and how it works? Sure. Um, the Reboot Foundation is not an organization that is focused on trying to address all forms of education. It really has two very specific goals. One is to fund and promote scientific research related to topics only around critical thinking and two, to create and promote dynamic tools for those who want to cultivate a capacity uh, for critical thinking, be it adults or as parents or teachers for, for children. Uh, we have a great advisory board with experts like Jill Dowick, Bill Gromley, Bill Gormley, uh, Wu Kong An, um, and all of the resources developed by the foundation are provided without charge, as you mentioned earlier. Awesome. So, so let's let's use that as a lead-in then to talk about the study. The study's titled "The Benefits of Using Pencil and Paper in Math." New study shows that students writing down math problems increases high school math outcomes, and that was from March of this year, um, 2020. The, the article begins begins by discussing some advantages of technology and learning math, but it points out a disadvantage namely not using two very important tools, which I think is awesome, pencil and paper. Uh, could you talk about the general findings of the study? Sure. Um, so there was, the, the study was organized where there was one group of students who were actually reminded to use pencil and paper to work out the math problems before they entered their answers onto this program called assistment. Um, and the control group just proceeded as usual, basically just doing their math on the computer scratch pads or in their heads. Um, 
And Bill Hinckley, who, who helped conduct the study, found that the group that received the reminder to use pencil and paper performed about 13 points better on the assignments um, on the assignment than the other students. And that is so that's so wild because I, I love this. <laughs> um, you know, before I, I talk a little bit about all the thoughts that are in my brain over this. Um, can you real quick um, talk about the role that Bill Hinckley played? Because Bill is a veteran math teacher. And uh, can you talk about that role that he played in this study? With pleasure. So Bill is not your usual researcher. He's a high school math teacher based out of Waldoboro, Maine. He's also a pretty unusual person in general. He runs a blueberry farm over the summer. Um, but what Bill had noticed was that some of his students over relying on technology to complete math homework. Um, and uh, he uses assessments that I mentioned earlier, which is an open access online math homework platform, um, which includes tools for education research. And with the help of Professor Neil Heffernan, Bill created the study, including making the reminders and randomized his students to carry out the experiment. Um, so it was really a collaboration based on his students and um, the tools that were available um, with the help of uh, Professor Neil Heffer. Very cool. So, so when we, you know, one of the things that I got to make sure that we say is that I, you know, I think that it would surprise a lot of people. <laughs> and I know that's a huge generality, but the idea that uh, paper and, Pencil is so old school, <laughs> um, and it and it has an impact. Can can you just talk about just from a because you're a parent? I mean, what what is the? I mean, what does it say to you? Um, well, I am I am probably a bit old school, old school because I I grew up with paper and pencil, right? But <laughs> I'll, I'll do. I'll, but I, I think all joking aside. Um, the challenge with technology and even scratch pads of computer system is um, it's very much instant gratification, fast thinking, right? You see a problem, you go onto your keypad and you, and you try to answer it. Whereas with the application of pencil and paper, um, it's not necessarily longer to do, but you have the whole motion of seeing things on paper, mapping things out, and actually having some time for reflection or a little bit of um, pullback um, from the instant, uh, let, me, let me get to the solution aspect. And one thing that this experiment, I think, shows you comes back to the fundamentals of critical thinking, which is um, call, often called metacognition, which is really thinking about your own thinking. Um, that's a foundational part of critical thinking, but it's also very, very important for learning because by actually using pen, pencil and paper, you actually map out, you may doodle, you may draw lines, you may cross things out, but you actually visualize the, the way that you're processing um, solving the problem and how you're getting to the solution. And that's, you know, that's often why schools and teachers often encourage students to, sh quote, show their work when they're doing math problems. Because by seeing actually 
the methodology and the process of solving a problem, it's much easier to spot errors for teachers, but it also gives a chance for the student to actually visualize how their thinking process works and how they're approaching um, solving the problem. I, I love this because if I'd known about this way back when, uh, because over, over the years, I've actually learned that I want to know, I want to be able to go back and look and see what I did in solving a problem because I, I might find where I made a mistake or whatever. And of course, you know, as a kid, you fight the process and say, oh, come on, why do I have to show my work this time? I know how I did it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I just think it's it's funny that uh, um, there's you, you really learn after a while why they were trying to get you to show your work with that uh, pencil and paper. So it, one of the things you mes mentioned when you were talking about uh, Mr. Hinckley is that you talked about him using assistments. Yes. Can you t talk a little bit more about what it is and how it can help teachers improve their instruction in math? So assistments is actually a free tool um, available for assigning math homework and classwork. Um, it's mainly for elementary and middle school math, but the benefit is that students can receive immediate feedback while teachers can receive insights to drive the instructions. And I mentioned um, Neil Heffernan, who worked with Bill Hinckley. Um, he's a professor at the Worcester Polytechnic Institute who created this tool with his wife, Christina. And the program has actually demonstrated a lot of impact in various large research studies. Um, so it's, it's a tool that clearly has um, kind of proven itself in terms of impact. Very cool. And just as a side note, uh, when we talk about it as a free tool, where, where is it that uh, the teachers can find this? You can find assessments on the website um, new.assistments, A-S-S-I-S-T-M-E-N-T-S dot -S -S -E org. Awesome. Thank you so much. You know, Helen, after reading the article, the benefits of using pencil and paper in math, new study shows that students writing down math problems increases high school math outcomes from March 2020. What's something that teachers should take away after reading this? Steve, thanks to COVID-19, education technology is obviously something a lot of teachers, parents, and students are struggling with these days. But the most important thing to keep in mind is, again, that EdTech tools are just that. They're just tools. Um, we need to be mindful of what they're useful for and what they're not useful for. And again, the research on EdTech is by no means settled because it's still too early. Um, but what's clear is that there's no, there's not enough, there's not enough evidence that shows that, that the benefits of work, working in an analog way um, is worse than actually the benefits of EdTech. Um, so just because there's all these fun tools available in EdTech does not mean that it should really replace the traditional ways of how we, we, how we were learning. So practically speaking, especially during this coronavirus, I know it's now vacation time, so for activities that you can do with your students and whatnot, Parents should effectively look for opportunities to reduce screen time and take advantage of some older um, educational technologies um, for younger children. Um, actually, one thing that as a benefit that came out of the coronavirus is I'm sure you've been seeing even on social media how, how everybody's doing puzzles these days. And, 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 it's, and puzzles are great because it's pattern recognition. So, so it obviously um, also um, applies your logic thinking. 
also other um, fun board games like Clue. You know, all, all of those are kind of lead-ins to uh, critical thinking. Um, and then for high schoolers and college students, um, you know, these, these students should not be afraid to put away their computers and actually, for example, imagine this, write an essay by hand. I know that's un, unheard of and un, unthought of these days. Um, probably even you, Steve, you don't actually write out your questions of these podcasts by, by hand uh, anymore. Not at all. But, but, these, but these are things that you can actually practice and, and have fun with. And that, that's awesome. Just as a note, I do want to say that I, I, have, I keep a, a journal and I use it for thinking through things. So I do write stuff out before I ever type it in, in, in the case of many things. So it's, it's funny <laughs> that I, I do do a little bit of that. So <laughs> no, but that's important because what you're actually doing indirectly is you are pausing. You're trying to collect your thoughts to decide how you want to structure um, the questions in terms of what interviews are going to do. So that piece that you actually write in advance uh, by hand before before typing in the computer, it's 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 it, in and of itself is an important part of the process. Very cool. That's good to know that I was doing something <laughs> in the right direction here. We did. The, uh, um, yeah, so. Helen, as we're getting ready to close, because this is this is fascinating to me. This is so cool because it's, uh, you know, and uh, it, just a big part of it is just what's happening, you know, with you know the reasons why you want to encourage pencil and uh, and paper and the, and what it does to help the critical thinking and to help the the kids as they're thinking through problems or challenges and, and such. But one of the things I want to make sure is we're getting ready to close. Where can someone connect with you and learn more about the Reboot Foundation and its mission and critical thinking, as well, well as learn more about the findings from the benefits of using pencil and paper in math study? Sure. Um, so our website is at reboot-foundation.org. Um, as I mentioned earlier, all of the articles, studies, and findings you can find free of charge, including dynamic toolkits for teaching different students of different age groups critical thinking on our website. Um, or you can also find some of my columns um, in, in Forbes. Excellent, and they are very easy to find. I will have uh, links to all of this in my show notes so that uh, they go to the one place and get started looking there. So excellent. Now. Helen, I also understand that you're working on a book about critical thinking. Do you want to share anything about it? So the book is in the works, um, but right now in terms of the content of the book, a lot of the different um, information is certain blocks that's available on our website. So I think you could actually start getting a flavor for what the book is going to look like by um, navigating through some of the articles and studies that we've been publishing on our website. Very cool, awesome. And, and so I have two more questions for you and they go like this. If you had a chance to talk with an audience of teachers and school administrators about the importance of critical thinking, what is something that you would want them to remember after your talk? The most important thing I would like them to remember is the importance to reason better. Um, there's a lot of different ways to make our reasoning more explicit and analyzable and um, a couple of methods, right? Um, we talked earlier about mapping your thoughts. Um, I like to write down the chain of reasoning I'm using 
just to make sure that my conclusions follow step by step from my premises. Um, and this helps you identify where you need to do more research or actually think about alternative strategies or alternative points of view. So the reasoning, so I'd argue that the process of reasoning is as important, if not more useful, than trying to focus on the solution. And that's really what teachers need to um, educate our students on doing more of and doing better. Because it's so important that um, this process will actually help us jump to conclusions less. Um, and with that, uh, we can, this can also help us avoid some of the problems of stereotypes that we have today. Um, it's a matter of overgeneralizing from a small set of facts that actually creates problems with our reasoning. Excellent. And, you know, one, one of the, uh, and that would be an, amazing, an excellent talk too, an awesome talk too. We had, um, so thank you for that advice, that, uh, that thought there. And uh, last question goes like this. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? So we often think about um, school in terms of teachers, but actually in my case, um, it was actually my father who I think ultimately um, influenced uh, us the most in terms of um, ultimately even me uh, founding the Reboot Foundation. Uh, my father, who was a lawyer, really encouraged my sister, my brother, and I to debate complex issues openly, even at a very young age. Um, it was his philosophy to at least be at the dinner table twice a week and open a debate. And now, um, I'm not going to lie to you that at that time, it brought lots of tears and frustration at the dinner table. I mean, we really, all we wanted was a mom and dad that, was to, that would just say, how was your day at school today, rather than launching a debate about a topic matter. Um, but, but ultimately, I think that was very, very important for me, especially because I grew up from age six to 14 in South Korea um, at a time when it was still under very much a military regime, the challenges of that South and North Korea. So even in our schools, um, you know, a, a specific recollection and I have is for arts and crafts at school, um, we would be asked to draw propaganda posters um, you know, against North Korea, for example. So, you know, we were drawing tanks and um, soldiers um, and saying, you know, uh, the kind of um, down with North Korea. I mean, so if you think about, if you can picture that school environment um, and then coming home and having debates around political issues, um, social issues, um, I think the actual openness and the thinking process was something really that I need to thank my dad for because it gave us that openness at an early age and I guess that's fundamentally also the genesis of why I find it so much more important to promote critical thinking even at a young age because I am convinced that that practice element is critical um, as people develop um, this crucial skill set. That's awesome. And the experience that you've had, that's just, just, uh, uh, just amazing. I, I can't, you know, the, uh, 
<laughs> I could just see the whole thing around the making the political posters or the uh, the the comments about the North. That's <laughs> there's if, a lot of red ink you can imagine, right? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, wild. So uh, thank you so much, Helen. Thank you so much for talking with us about the article, the benefits of using pencil and paper in math. New study shows that students writing down math problems increases high school math outcomes from this past March 2020. And and tell us a little bit about the Re Reboot Foundation and uh, focusing on critical thinking. This has been an awesome discussion. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the to following the continuous work of the Reboot foundation and learning so much more and and i hope you'll keep me in mind and you know, my audience when your uh, critical thinking book comes out because i'd love to talk to you about it and uh, you know and uh, just keep up the great work wishing the best in all that you do thank you so much Stephen. teaching learning leading k-12 is excited to be a member of voice ed radio voice ed radio your voice is right here teaching learning leading k-12 is a proud member of the education podcast network podcast for educators podcast by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.